0: okay بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والآقيبة المتقين ولا عجبنا إلا على الظالمين والسلام الله و على الشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلة اللهم على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك الكريم السلام عليكم الله وبركاته right folks so today إن شاء um, we're going to start a new section, and that is about the Qibla itself, okay? Um, and I didn't put up the notes for this, because I'm thinking of maybe producing like a longer version. But today is like it's only like one kind of shortish kind of line. So in the Arabic, uh, the author says, وَمِنْهَا إِسْتِقْبَالُ الْقِبْلَةِ فَلَا وَيَلْزَمُهُ اِفْتِتَاحُ الصَّلَاةِ إِلَيْهَا I don't think we'll get to that part, but anyway. The translation would be, um, its conditions, of course referring to the prayer, from its conditions include facing the qibla. Prayer is not valid without facing it, except for someone who is incapable, except for the ajiz except for someone who has some problem, some يعني, deficiency, any incapable. Praying a supererogatory prayer, yani a nafal prayer, sunnah prayer, praying a supererogatory prayer whilst traveling during a journey is also allowed. Is also allowed. Okay? Uh, Yani other than towards the qibla, meaning like the one who's deficient. So I'll explain all of that as we go along. Basically, what's the author starting off with? He's starting off with saying that the Qibla is an absolute condition. Absolute, and a non-negotiable condition with respect to the prayer, except for two basic scenarios. The first one is if there's a major problem, some major difficulty, which we'll talk about. And the second one is for someone who is traveling. Okay, Someone who is traveling on a journey. Traveling on a journey, and they are praying a nafal prayer, a super-rerogatory. And again, a reminder that this word, we have introduced now into our, our vocabulary to replace the concept of voluntary, because voluntary is just not accurate, and supererogatory is the exact actual word which indicates an act which is required from us to do, and we get reward for it, but it's not obligatory. Voluntary it means something completely different, right? So um, let's start at the beginning. The sheikh says so from the conditions of the prayer, then is. To face the Qibla. And by the intention, when the word Qibla is used, it means the Kaaba. This is the bottom of page 260. okay qiblatun, And it has been named by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the Qibla. Why? Because the people يَسْتَقْبِلُونَهَا Because we make istiqbal from the same word. Qibla, it comes from the root of verb of qabila, yani Qaf, Ba, Lam. And this Qaf, Ba, Lam is the same as the heart. The, qalb, no, the not the, the thingy, the, uh, not the heart, the uh, changing and the, the uh, facing when you front up to something, yani when you face something. So, uh, istiqbal, uh, uh, something which uh, welcomes you, is seen as something which is uh, in front of you. Yani immediately you come and you're welcomed by something. So, and when you face as well, likewise, it is the direction that you face. So, that's, yani, ling- that's uh, 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 linguistically. And this has been made obligatory in the normal three ways. Number one, by the Kitab. Number two, by the Sunnah. Number, number three, by the Ijma'ah. So firstly, in the Kitab, the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْ حِيثُ خَرَجَتَ وَجَهَكَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَحِيثُ ما كنتم فولوا وجوهكم And this is Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 150. We will get to that, I think, in the next... Few days in terms of the Qur'an of, uh, of Surah Al-Baqarah, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar reciting in the loud prayers. So wherever you may be, and from wherever you go out, we mean حيث خرجتَ so for wherever you go out, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ Masjid الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ. So then turn your face, your wajh, towards al Masjid al-Haram, meaning al Masjid al-Haram in Mecca. وَحِينَمَا كُنْتُمْ and wherever you may be, فَوَلُّوا وَجْهَكُمْ شَطْرَ Fawwalu, meaning turn all of your faces, all of you turn all of your faces towards its direction, meaning the masjid al-masjid haram That's a very clear nass, nass, يعني yani a text, a divine text, no dispute about it. وأما السنة As for the sunnah, we have so many different evidences. One of them, for example, is the famous hadith in Bukhari called the name of the hadith is called al-hadith al-musi fi salatihi. Al-musi fi salatihi, meaning the hadith of the one who erred in his prayer. Okay, the famous hadith of the man who came into the Prophet ﷺ's masjid. He gave salam to the Prophet ﷺ, went and prayed two raka'ah. And then when he finished the two raka'ah, he came back and he gave salam. And the Prophet ﷺ said, وَلَيْكُمْ salam. go and pray again because you have not prayed. And obviously if you've done for as with me already, you'll know this hadith. And when you realize, when we come to the actions of the prayer, this is probably the most important, the foundational hadith of the entire chapter. So the Prophet ﷺ made him pray again, and then again, and then again, three times. And on the third time, the companion said, Wallahi r- Rasulullah, I, I don't know how to pray any better than what I've been doing. So then the Prophet ﷺ gave him a very, very concise, clear description of what he had to do for the prayer. And there are a number of different narrations for this hadith, but they all essentially, you know, they, 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 they complement each other. But one of the versions in Bukhari uh, hadith number 6251 six, states, so in this particular version, the, the hadith started by the Prophet ﷺ said that when you stand for the prayer, then or when you intend to establish the prayer, then perfect your wudu. Make sure you do a great wudu, and then face the qibla, and then say Allahu Akbar. فكبّر Okay, so that is the uh, one of the strongest evidences from the sunnah and then the third of course ijma'ah the consensus and there is an Ijma of the muslims let alone the companions there is an Ijma of the muslims upon the obligation of facing the qibla in the prayer okay and um, Shaykh Uthameen here I, I would just mention something interesting he gives uh, not Shaykh Uthameen beg your pardon the Muhaqqiq, the one who is making tahqiq of this book our version of al-mumti' okay this one alright um, the muhaqq Um, He has, uh, as you know throughout all of the volumes, he will make footnotes and he will mention various kind of references for hadith and especially when Sheikh Uthameen gives reference to a difference of opinion in the madhab, then he will find a reference in one of the major books of the Hanbali school, so for example Al-Mughni or in whatever book it is. Um, but also, what he does is that if he finds something which is a good source of reference for the student of knowledge, then he gives a reference. Now, Sheikh uthaymeen mentioned that there is ijma on this point. Okay, and this concept of ijma, consensus, I just want to say, is a very easily stated one. All right, there's consensus of the Muslims on this. There's ijma on this. You'll find this phrase thrown about like yani nothing, and not just by people who are ignorant, but by scholars as well, and actually. A number of scholars got a reputation for throwing around the ijma card, okay. Um, and from them is Imam Nawawi, alayhi rahmatullah. Of course, he's from the greatest of the imams. But one of his things that he is known for is cl- claiming an ijma where there is no ijma. So I just want you to always be aware that, um, just to be careful, when someone throws the ijma, uh, you know, card. There's consensus on this issue. Just quietly say to yourself, you know, I'll look that up. I'll check that out. Because, you know, everyone claims that. Okay? Even major imams. And as a result, a number of scholars wrote uh, some books. And there was one that I was meant to be translating. To be honest, yani, Yeah, I kind of... Yeah, it just it just fell f- further down my priority list. And it is the book known as Al-Ijma'ah. And it's a small book and it's the best book on the, the chapter. And I do want to uh, revisit that, although maybe I think I got put off it because I heard someone else was translating, and i didn 't want to duplicate the effort, but it 's a wonderful book because obviously number one is just one, uh, one uh, uh, volume, small volume, and it is seen as the most authoritative on uh, it 's the most simplest as well, so it 's not exactly a major feat, but still is good what 's the advantage of these books is that when Muslims realize when Muslims realize that they have so much yeah so many things in common it brings a level of calm and understanding to a lot of kind of acidic discourse that you see today. So there's there's definitely a need amongst the ignorant, yani, and amongst yani, people who are very you know, energized and politicized yani, in their opinions, just to calm down, especially when it comes to criticism of other folks uh, amongst the Muslims. So it's good to know that there are certain things that they're ijma upon. Uh, always it's good to call to what you are agreeing upon as opposed to focusing on what you differ, especially in fiqh which is not very important when it comes to the sciences of Islam, comparatively speaking, towards Aqeedah and things like that. Fiqh is meant to be the easier part of Deen, not the most stressful, difficult one that causes all the fitna and the fights. So that's something which is useful. Anyway, to continue from there, famous scholars then decided to write their own versions of ijma. And Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi, Ibn Hazm of course very famous scholar, he wrote a famous book as well about uh, Ijma'a. it's called Maratibul Ijma'a. And Maratibul Ijma'ah, the various forms of Ijma'ah, um, is again very famous. But ironically here he wrote that and the book itself got criticized and here's someone who tried to clean up the act and himself claimed the load of Ijma'at yani which are not thinking. So someone then wrote another book called naqtu Maratibul Ijma'ah, the refutation of so, I just want you to know that this game is yani, uh, you know, a bit funky and you just got to be in control. Ibn Taymiyyah also wrote a book on Ijma'ah, which itself has been criticized as well. So, it's, it's not a, it's not, it's a, just, you know, as for students of knowledge, you should be aware that Ijma'ah is a wonderful thing. It's a very powerful tool. Think about it. Yani, it's a silencing statement. You don't need much evidence to claim it, right? Because the Qur'an needs you to quote verses and, you know, and then interpretation of verses. The Sunnah needs a vast explanation of reference sources and meaning of hadith. Whereas ijma, you just say there's ijma, and that's it. And then if someone says prove it, then you, you are going to obviously say, no, you've got to prove there isn't. You see, the point is is that if I say Ijma'ah, I'm basically claiming that they all agreed on something. So this is, I don't want this to become a class on Ijma'ah. And I'm pretty sure that over the five years we would have looked at ijma and the different forms I'm pretty sure we would have but there's a very powerful concept of ijmaat sukuti okay In ijmaat sukuti ijma' sukuti is indicating that there's such a thing called a silent ijma the idea basically being that if no companion speaks up on an issue then by by what Definitely. by um, by default yani by whatever what's the word what's the right word no what's the mafhum al yani you get, well, but when I say by default then you know what I'm trying to say it means that there's a consensus right what's the English word to say that inference. by inference yeah yeah by inference I think yeah I mean, that's the point yeah, people will recognize if no one is speaking up against something then min or min yani. that what it means then is that there is a consensus a silent one and so you know I just want to say that that's a lazy bit of fiqh yeah, and when you claim a lazy consensus because then it's always going to be upon the other person to you know, search through the whole world to find a dissenting opinion which is going to be a mission isn't it so you get away with your ejma'at so I just want you to know that anyway um, Sheikh Uthameen talks a little bit about what the, the wisdom is in facing the Qibla and you know I don't think it's, a, it's rocket science to be honest uh, uh, when we face the Qibla we have two things that happen We have the body and the soul. And remember that the prayer itself is a body and soul experience, right? So it is a physical experience in that we are required to physically do a number of physical acts of worship, such as the standing and then the bowing. And and if you look at each one, there's wisdom in it. And I don't mean, you know, wisdom... Uh, from medical opinion that shows that your blood pressure I- decreases when you do this and this is our form of yoga and all that kind of you hear lots of people write YouTube videos about yeah? this it, it, is not the reason for the salah yeah? it, they, you know when people say that I mean obviously it depends on what my mood is if I'm feeling in a chopping mood or not but if I'm feeling in a chopping mood obviously they're going to go down isn't it yeah because if the prayer was meant to be exercised yeah, then there are a hundred way, better ways of praying than just to go up and down for a few minutes Yeah, so it's not about exercise it's not about it's not about making the body move and all the rest of it. It is a purely a physical act of submission. Bowing is a humiliation. Sajda is a humiliation. But when done to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of mankind, it is a praise. It is a a, a recognition of high status of the person who does it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited that kind of humiliating of oneself to a human being or to a created being to bow or or to, to prostrate but he commanded it for himself because he deserves it. And the person who does that recognizes that that true state of submission will never be a humiliation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's a very clear physical wisdom in what the prayer is, and done regularly as well. And so that physical act has got its place. And also the fact that, and it's something I was thinking about, and, and many authors have spoken about this and written about this classically uh, and modern as well, that... Um, uh, if this prayer was purely just about submission, then we would have remained in Sajda all the way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's as simple as that. Because there's nothing more humbling than the Sajda. And there's nothing more, yani, you know, you, you, well, you're done. That's it. Once you're in Sajda, you know. And also, and I mean, not just in terms of its perspective to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that's the ultimate form of sajda ultimate form of submission but also to the human being himself when he does it he enjoys no other position better than the sajda that's often where they feel closer to Allah they are because the prophet said so but you also feel it i mean yep and every i am saying things that you all know and that's fine but the interesting thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to stand up again and that commanding of standing up again does not fit in with submission but it shows that there's more to it than just submitting and humbling ourselves, but also teaching us a lesson that we can get back up in our lives uh, after things that happen to us. There are a number of messages that are happening in the prayer itself. No doubt about that. The physical realities of the prayer have wisdoms that people will know. Um, And then of course is the prayer of the heart. And the prayer of the heart is very, very important. And Nabi ﷺ has clearly indicated the importance of this aspect. And Nabi ﷺ, when he was leading the salah, and there was someone who was behind him praying, Remember that one of the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ is that he could see behind him. Like physically see behind him without turning around. Whether that's some ability in terms of eyesight, or whether that was just a simple easy answer of inspiration, meaning revelation of knowledge, we don't know. But he definitely could see what's happening behind him. And we just accept that whatever way that happened, it could be physical, or it could just be divine how that happened. But one of the times he sees a person praying, and he said to him, Ya fulan, ala tataqilla. Allah This person is praying in a Jama'ah. Now in the first the first hadith that we talked about, when the person came in and was doing the prayer and he did it all dodgy, okay? He did a dodgy prayer himself, it was not correct, he was not doing it, he was doing it too quick, he was not uh, when you study hadith you find this out later that he wasn't making ruku' properly, that he wasn't Yani standing up properly. So he was praying by himself and messing it up by himself. You can't mess up a congregational prayer behind the Prophet. ﷺ. You get what I'm saying? Okay? He is, yani, movements are absolutely controlled by the Prophet and the fact that you're standing next to the greatest of companions. So, what was he messing up? It was the internal. So, he wasn't there. And this not being there is probably the biggest challenge Muslims have when it comes to their prayer, right? And it's not so much talked about in books of fiqh. But that's the reason why we're teaching this book and that's why Sheikh Uthameen is great because he's bringing everything into it. And Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, the one who, when he teaches this book as well, he's also bringing a lot of ruhani into it. If you ever sit in any of his lessons, when you, when you get too much to the Nabawi, you will see that half of the fiqh lesson is a reminder of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which makes it very, very powerful. It's very difficult to do, by the way, because... You know, you're there trying to teach law and you've got to focus on law. And, you know, the whole reason that you're teaching law is because there's a thousand khatibs giving emotional reminders every day and every week and so on. So, you know, you just get on with your job and do it. The truth is, is that people don't get high quality reminders that are linked to the law. So it's important that when we get an opportunity to speak something like this, we just make a mention, remind ourselves um, that our biggest challenge is. Uh, that not just the physical conditions of the prayer but the spiritual conditions of the prayer you have to be there you 've got to take any real you 've got to invest uh, proper um, uh, whether that 's financial or, or time wise or whatever in getting things out of your mind before you pray. You heard many you know anecdotes about this like you know whether they say don 't challenge your stomach or whatever okay and um, this don 't challenge your stomach idea is you know a person is hungry but not starving or the food is not necessarily on the table okay and we know and nabi said that the prayer is not prayed when the food is on the table because that's completely dominating your mind especially if you've been fasting or something like that so i'm saying that let's say you're not fasting and let's say you've been thinking about making a purchase or there's an email that's opened up or you're about to you know see someone whatever uh, make the investment in changing the, uh, the the structure of the next hour by putting those things first so that your mind is clear for the prayer. Or if you know that that's going to be a particularly stressful meeting or a moment and that after it you're going to be thinking a lot, then you put that after and you pray first. Yeah, meaning that your prayer is not just... You know a lot of people say that I rearrange my day around my prayer, right? And it's a nice cliche and it's indicating the kind of the practicing Muslim, right? That's always the, 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 the slogan of the practicing Muslim that that you're only practicing when your day is rearranged around your prayer. But I don't think people actually understand what that means. People think that that means that I pray at work because the, 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 the other side of that is the person who basically gathers all the prayers together and prays at home and doesn't pray them on time. So the idea is that if you're practicing, you'd never do that because that's haram and you'd pray on time. That's the basic minimum of a practicing Muslim, frankly, basic minimum. The real practicing Muslim is the one who tinkers with his prayer times in order to keep his mind clear. And that's of course the, the shame of, the, the, the shame of uh, living in a non-Muslim country where we're all praying either at home or in a workplace during the daytime. Because that means you're not going to a masjid, which means you don't get the opportunity of using the buffer, the buffer zone of tahiyyat masjid And if you've got more time, the buffer zone of sunnah. These are meant to be buffer zones. They're the mock exam before the real exam. They're the, they're the, they're the calm down moment that are of the stress of walking in through the door and seeing signs and seeing things and shoes. And you've parked, you yeah, you've taken ages and you're just irritated. And, you know, you need some time to kind of, you know, get some things out of the system before you hit the obligatory one itself. Yeah, and again, if we appreciated just how important the obligatory prayer was, there would be a lot of different approaches to our legal side of Islam. So for example, something we're going to come to obviously much later, the presence of children in the masjid. What people don't realize when they debate this uh, issue about uh, young kids, I'm talking four, fives, threes and fours and that kind of thing. What people don't realize with these uh, kids is that it's not so much a legal discussion of whether kids were in the masjid or not, because that's, uh, that's undisputed. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi had children climbing on him, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi carried children in the masjid, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reduced the prayer when the mother was yani, in Maghrib and she was uh, in the back and the kid was crying. So how, where's the discussion? There's no discussion. The discussion is that should we allow it to become a norm of children in, uh, being present in a masjid, which is the place for the obligatory prayer, where there's a very little chance for a few people to come and hit the jackpot on the most important act of prayer. And whether that they can handle or take the risk of it being disturbed, especially if it's the one one it's the one that they get in a non-Muslim country or whatever, and they don't get much opportunity, you know, like that, and they've had a day full of interruptions and noise and nonsense, whatever. So, like I said, the, there's a spiritual imperative which must be made more important in our legal debates. That's the point I'm trying to make. So, likewise, when it comes to the Salah. Person has to be in the zone. They've got to be focused. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in Hadith Tirmidhi that when you pray, know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is in front of you. That know that He is in front of you. Hadith Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that when you pray, know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is looking at you, and it and He will not turn away, but you will turn away. So that turning away is never a physical turning away. If Allah is in front of you, then your physical being never turns away. So it's your spiritual Qibla that turns away. So at this juncture, let me just remind you that our physical bodies are are obligated to turn towards the Kaaba, which is the Qibla. And our hearts are obligated to turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the spiritual qibla. It's very, very important. Sheikh says, The body turns to his house and its magnificence, which Allah has obligated, and the heart turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the spiritual qibla. So if you understand that when you are facing when you're in salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in front of you. That's metaphorical because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala physically is above his throne in a manner which befits his majesty and he is not around us physically. So this statement here, as as we know, a number of hadith mention this. Do not spit in front of you when you're in the prayer. For example, it's haram to spit. Now people might think that, you know, haram to spit anyway. It's not actually. It's allowed to spit in the prayer, especially if uh, there is, you know, some difficulty. And especially, I think we discussed this before, I don't know which chapter breaking of wudu or something about swallowing phlegm where we discussed that was that in the fasting specials well, like year, two. year two yeah yeah yani, this balcham yani, this uh, mucus and so on the problem with mucus is that it's actually it's, it's an internal substance right which comes up from the chest obviously you know mucus and phlegm and whatever it, it, you cough it up and, and you know it gets to tear and then you swallow it so it's seen like eating and drinking, basically, by a number of scholars. Some said, no, you can't avoid it if you're ill. You're And I, obviously we're sympathetic to that, which is why it's on the safer side to spit it out and, or to hold it in your mouth or to put it into a tissue. Now, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, no carpets, no issues, and some would actually spit it out in front. They were prohibited from that. And the hadith mentioned that Allah ﷻ is in front of a person. And Allah is not in front of you physically. It's a level of disrespect towards the qibla, which is in front of you. And they were told to... Uh, uh, you know basically spit to the side and bury it in the ground underneath your foot so it would be a minimal movement where you would just move your foot a little bit let it come out if you didn't have a handkerchief and then you would bury it into the earth ground and there's nothing there anymore with a slight movement of the foot um, uh, alternatively you put it into a tissue or spit it into a tissue or handkerchief and, and, and keep that with you or whatever so uh, these statements where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in front of you is meant to bring focus and this hadith of tirmidhi for example says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not turn away but you will turn away so that's that's focus because obviously your body's not going to turn away in the salah you're not going to just turn around are you so when he said you're going to turn away, it means your heart's going to turn away. And your heart turns away when the waspasa comes, shaitan starts telling you about the work and what you've got to do and when you're going to get home and what you're going to do tonight and blah, 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 blah. And so therefore you start thinking about that. That means you turned away. And the point is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to turn away until you turn away. Then once you turn away, then why should he be interested anymore? And that's what happens and that's why your prayer goes. And another famous hadith that you all know, and Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that there people will take a different percentage of the prayer with them. So some of them would take a quarter, and some of them would take a tenth, some would take well, like a third, and some would have a great day and take a half. You know what I'm trying to say? The idea that you will go in and take a 100% result from the prayer is like a near impossibility. And again, Ibn al-Qayyim, maybe we'll put that into the, uh, into the, uh, into the portal, and you can check it out later. I'll, I'll post it myself, because it's one of the very best things that Ibn al-Qayyim ever wrote. Ibn al-Qayyim wrote that very famous passage of the difference between two people who are standing next to each other in salah and where one person's mind is and where the other person's mind is so the spiritual qibla thing is a massive point uh, my brothers and sisters really really important that when we pray we have to try and connect to what we're doing there we are facing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the heavens we are having a conversation with him and it's by no surprise that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to us in hadith qudsi the conversation that he has with people who pray so everyone who is praying is speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. So as I said, there is a two very real realities here that we have to uh, live to. We cannot continue to pray mindlessly and just get it over and done within this kind of robotic, يعني, to be honest, يعني, bestie kind of action, which is up and down. We don't know what we're saying. We don't know what it means. We don't يعني, prepare ourselves mentally for it. And we don't make any effort to invest in it. So, um, so the benefit of the Qibla, from a physical point of view, is that it brings order. We've seen yani, what happens when you allow people to pray by themselves. The Christians are the classic example. All over the show, they pray here, pray there, pray whatever. They don't have any yani, discipline. And if there was, for example, a masjid that we were praying in a, uh, you know, without Qibla, then you can imagine that it would be left down to what people would find yani, more, more um, uh, suitable for themselves so maybe a person will, will face towards the wall that way a person will force face that way and everyone in the different directions and so there's no doubt that there is a level and subhanAllah one of the um, uh, if you look at uh, what the famous hadith the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the Jews they, they envy you for two things right they envy you for anyone know what are the hadith says the, the, the famous hadith what are the two things that the Jews envy from the Muslims? No. No. See if anyone online gets it? Famous hadith. No. Um your salams, okay, and your Ameen. No one heard this hadith? No? Interesting. The Prophet ﷺ referred to these two things: the ability of us. Oh, There you go. May say any as usual. Yes. That was a bit after you said. No, no, no. Don't come. She's in Edmonton for crying out loud, bro. That's like about thirty-six thousand miles away. And buried under thirty-six thousand tons of ice, minus thirty-six degrees, bro. It's amazing that she even got here. You know what I'm saying? That's right. They envy the Muslims in the salam and saying Ameen in salah. That's correct. And this hadith is very interesting because uh, amin is just the most yeah, any mental kind of thing, you know, when you think about it. Uh, all these different people, all at the same time, send out yeah, that, that, that acceptance of dua. It, there's a hugely powerful significance behind it. And then the the, the, the constant yeah, any, uh, loyalty that we have to giving salam to people that we know and don't know purely because of. Yani Islam. Both of these actions, what they have in common is this great unity, right? And this great kind of uh, just, just you know, uh, collectiveness. The collectiveness, right? And so the collectiveness is a key aspect of our faith. So our faith. So the qibla itself, yani, is thinking that's not right, bro. That's not right. I was there just yani, just trying to explain the point, and the guy then just shows yani some chocolate just to just to put me off. It's not Alright, oh, I have to take it. take it. that's good. It's okay, I have the idea of people's stuff here, don't worry, man. it's okay. a lot of people here today by the way, I don't know why Why there's so many people. I just want to say that this chocolate thing has really caused fitness over the last couple of weeks. It has literally, it has, oh sugar, it has literally, I, just wanted, I want to record this because I, wanted, I, want, I want later on I'm going to show this as proof, right? That Yani, you know, this this is normally how many people we have. Like these six people here, yeah. <laughs> and now, and I just I I, mean, I don't want to say nothing about Dr. Alfan. I'm very very happy that he's back, Yani. You know, but I want to say that I think chocolate has something to do with it, probably. <laughs> yeah. So all these folks, Yani, you know, who are here, that's ridiculous, and all because of two extra tins of chocolate and Zia, because we're very happy for the Z be here, Mashallah. But you know, um, uh, I don't know. I, I think I will take that, bro. I think I deserve something for myself. So. Um, is it? Yeah. Oh, right. No, I never heard that. He said to me, it's for you me know, only for or, me. or whatever. This is for the class, bro. The cheap stuff's for the class. <laughs> what are you here for? I didn't bring it. <laughs> so, anyway, so this collectiveness obviously is uh, 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 something very important and the Qibla brings it that. So that discipline, collectiveness, unity, it's, 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 it's brilliant. And, كَأَنَّهُمْ <laughs> بُنْيَانُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah Saf, uh, the prayer of lines. it's just like, yani, being in a, uh, a battle. There's a sense of confidence in one another. And it's actually very interesting for me. The whole prayer line is very interesting. I've always had an interest in it from young for another reason, uh, which I don't mind sharing the anecdote about. And I might have even mentioned it before, but probably not actually because we've not been talking much about Salah. When you start practicing, when you start practicing... Then obviously the prayer is a big thing when you start practicing, and especially when you are in the in the nineties when you started practicing, where the Salafi Dawah itself very very strong, a massive focus on the prayer, and one of the very early earliest things that you're taught uh, as an identifying kind of practicing Muslims is to close the gaps, and the very you know uh, there was a lot of kind of you know people who were very ignorant about Fiqh that would go around and insist people you know not just put the feet to feet, but literally. Yeah, and they stand on each other, right? And not just stand on each other, but, I mean, you know, you can stand on each other in a normal way, but standing on each other and you're looking like this, your legs are, you're literally in the splits. So you're splits and standing on each other. And, you know, when I, when, I, when I started practicing, right, there were a few things that were really off to me, right? That just didn't fit with, you know, what I thought was Islam and uh, that was one of them that was a big one and it really put me off and I was never interested in that and I, you know in the early days I'd spend a lot of time refuting people that this can't be the case and then I remember then you know my first second year or whatever of studying whatever I thought I'm going to look into this a lot and find because there's nothing in English and I want to write about it and I did and I remember back then as is the case now as has always been the case actually that the imams the, you know despite people had, throwing hadith around about the companions doing this and that The imams of fiqh never obligated the joining of the feet in the prayer, but rather the closing of a gap and the closing of the gap was done by the recommended act of straightening the row and closing gaps using feet, but not obligatory, because the focus of the gap is the shoulders as opposed to the feet. And uh, that always made a huge amount of sense to me, and it fits in very nicely with everything I've been speaking about so far. The qibla, the collectiveness, the unity. You know, shoulder on shoulder has a different feeling than foot on foot. Foot on foot is an irritation, and a just just not necessary. It really is, yani, not necessary at all, and it's just an irritation. Whereas shoulder on shoulder it brings you confidence. I've got you know, man's next to me. Yani, this is where we are. This is how we stand. Subhanallah, there's a fitrah thing here. You know what I'm saying? The qalbi, yani, itself has its 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 a uh, its thing. And so that's why a little gap between the feet All feet touching together, not a problem Or a little gap between them The idea is is that the, the hadith that talk about going feet to feet Was in order to make sure that the people are encouraged to come closer As opposed to saying that the condition of the prayer is that feet must be touching Because that's something which is not possible anyway Because at what point do you stop touching the feet? Do you continue like that in ruku' and in sajda and in you know everything? It's just not possible So it's clear that we're bringing people closer. How do you deal with it? Education. I mean, people are really surprised when when you tell them that the four imams never obligated the touching of the feet. I, I, I mean, obviously, you've got to accept four imams and fiqh and basic Islam first, but, you know... I mean, I'll be honest with you that that whole that whole kind of you know we do fiqh ourselves from hadith. I think is dead now, alhamdulillah. It was it was it was dying in the nineties, in two thousands. It took a major blow. In the, in these kind of years now, I think that people have realized that you know you stick to safety with scholars beforehand and don't get too funky with your opinions. But you're right. Obviously, it's still it's 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 still it's still there. What's confusing? What They were confusing, so to not make this a discussion about that. But what's confusing is that people um, just need to be comfortable with the recommended nature of it. Like you can't be taking these two extreme opinions. So there are. You've got the non madhhabists that are basically saying that the Hadith is very, very clear. The companions, they went like this and the ankle to ankle. And then and, and they said that if, if the Prophet ﷺ was here, this, and if we were here, then the, And, you know, huge criticism on people who would run away. Yeah, move the foot, feet away. So you got they interpret these narrations in the most extreme sense, and in every prayer they literally lock and load, Yani. Yeah, you know, literally, and then press ignition, and then that's it. Yes, and then you've got the other extreme, which is that it's complete nonsense. Get the heck away from me! And you've got big, massive gaps, Yani, yeah, in between people. Let alone, let alone the the, the feet. You got so, you got such a nafrat of the the, the physical. No, but, but, but that's a mega ignorance. But actually, both are ignorant. Yani, I I agree. It's, it's rare that you're going to get somebody that's going to be not ignorant. That's going to have the knowledge and not going to close it up. No. So let me just say something. So both extremes are ignorance. The bigger ignorance is actually on the madhabist side. There's no doubt about that. You would always because, and this is where the knowledge comes in. The imams recommended closeness, right? In order to achieve the final, yeah, yani close, closed, no gaps. Some going as far as recommending the actual physical touching of the feet. Abu Hanifa, for example, rec- recommending a gap in between. But the point is, they they wanted people to be close, no gaps in between them. So these people on this side are closer to this. Whereas the people who say get away from me, and keep a physical gap, they've lost completely. But you, you, that's why what, what you get, you get an extreme reaction, to an extreme application. Now I'll tell you why this story is relevant. This story is relevant because when I started studying, I went to Medina very early uh, to try and study. And I always knew, uh, Sheikh always warned us away from the university and so on. I never had that in my heart ever, but I wanted to study in the masjid. So um, with, the, with the PhD students and the master's students and people like that. so there's, So I became friends with a number of the students who were there. So you know people like Yasser, Muhammad Sharif, and uh, you don't maybe you, don't, you guys don't know this guy so much. His name is Nabil al-Haq, Nabil Shazad al-Haq. He's from London, South London, and uh, Firaz, and so on. Uh, these guys are, uh, you know, uh, well they're considered senior teachers now from the stud- from the senior students of knowledge. They're all basically 40, 41 ish, 42, 39 maybe some younger. So these guys became my mates. All right. That's where I met these folks first uh, in Medina. And Nabil, uh, he was, they're all first years, yani, whatever. And the most memorable story that he told me in that masjid, okay, in Masjid Naboi, when we would have classes there, is that he said, and um, he said, let me tell you, I, 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 we made the prayer line. I can't remember whose lesson it was. Maybe Sheikh Abdel Maslan had Abad, hadith lesson. We finished it. And we move forward, and uh, he he uh, you know as the lines were being set up, and we were just yeah, getting lines ready. And someone came and put his foot against his yanny yeah, you know, uh, very prominently. And he moved it away a little bit, you know. Very, re- the very sweet brother, very you know, very very soft brother. So he just moved it away, and then another person came and tried doing all that behavior, and he just moved it away a little bit. And I mean, move the foot more comfortable. I mean, this person was doing the whole lock and load behavior, right? Okay, so he just kind of just put his feet straight. Touching, but yeah, I need this much gap or something like that. And uh, you know, I had a little giggle, and then he goes to me after the salah. He goes, "You know what happened to me in this masjid?" He goes, Sheikh Uthaymin gave a dars. Okay, and uh, I was sitting very close. One of the one of the one of the great things in Medina is that uh, it's a very unique kind of experience, sitting with the uh, in a scholar circle, because. Um, you only get to sit around him like this close like you're to me if you are one of the established students of the sheikh people know they won't get in this front part and they will come they will sit around they will do the reading they will do the questions they will do the vetting these people as for everyone else the other three, four hundred that will be sitting behind it's random it's Musaleen, it's students and uh, you know whoever so it's potluck basically where you end up but if you think that's potluck where you end up what's amazing is that you will somehow uh, when the iqama goes everyone gets up and as you know, Masjid uh, Nabawi, you can be over there and you'll end up praying a hundred rows forward within 30 seconds. Within 30 seconds, you're thinking you're going to pray here. Then everything becomes empty in front of you. So you keep walking and walking and walking. So in all that walking, walking, and you might be that person who's planned the whole thing to be with Shaykh Uthamin or the Sheik or whatever, and... You sat next to him all the way through, just waiting for the moment, yeah, I need to think it, and you're walking with him all the way and getting yourself yeah, you're used to it, and you'll stand in a line even, and then obviously a gap's gonna open up and he's gone. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? So and then he'll be gone, gone, gone. So the irony is that a person could be waiting for the whole two hours to speak to him and miss out. And the other irony is, is that you're just a complete chancer right on the other side, <laughs> who's wishing and dreaming that's gonna happen, and you end up right next to the guy. So, that's happened to me many times, okay? Many, many times. And uh, it happened to Nabil. And he goes, I looked and... Uh, no, no. So, he goes, I didn't... Uh, so, the, the, it was all done. All gaps are filled. All gaps are filled. And so, I locked and loaded, right? Okay? Click, click. Yeah, And he stretched out. And then, I felt a little bit of resistance on the left, you know, whatever. So, I pushed out further. Pushed out further. And then... I'm going to show you the thingy. So, this is Nabil's chest. And this is. Am I in camera, Shaz? Here? Yeah. Yeah. So, this is where the second person is. And this is where Nabil is. Bosh! Right hand, elbow, and thingy. He goes, I went flying. <laughs> Big smack, yeah. And he just missed the yeah, thingy, top of the beard. Bosh. Like that. Went flying, whatever, whatnot. And uh, not a word said. And, you know, he just saw obviously white uh, Ghutra old kind of you know bent over man so Salah. he just in Salah, we're talking in the Iqama, we're talking yani the qama is done he's going to stow, stow stow bosh. bosh yeah? <laughs> so he's been boshed and you know he now goes back into line and he's worked out that you know this guy next to me does not want my feet to be touched and he looks at him and the man looks at him and it was Shaykh it was Shaykh Uthaymin himself who hit him and he was telling us so. That's that, uh, just, just just an anecdote, Yani, from the Sheikh of the Salafis, yani, that people would like to claim Wait at that the next time, year. Huh? For the next year. No, you're kidding me, man. You know, uh, Nabil always said, and he always he wrote about it, yani, uh, back in the days when we used to, when before the time of Facebook, and we used to have blogs and things. And uh, I wrote an article about this, and Nabil commented on it. I told him to comment, and he goes, "It was the most beloved punch I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest punch ever." So, yani, you know, that's I mean, that's amazing stories, Palmer. These kind of physical, yani, altercations or physical kind of things, they're they they're brilliant, man. So, um, so yeah, this idea of of uh, uh, a, a gap in the in the between the feet does not change the fact that it's recommended to get close to straight in the row, but the intention is not to be, you know, irritating people with feet. Uh, the focus is closeness of shoulder to have closeness of purpose and structure, and that 's why مرسوس, like they are a bunyan, yani a solid building with good mārsūs, yani solid straight well foundationed solid wall, and a wall doesn 't have gaps and that gap yani is not going to be seen يعني, uh, there anyway um so this this uh uh, and so this uh, Qibla has a lot of uh, uh, wisdom in it. Okay, Rasulullah. So let's look a little bit at history. Uh, when the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was given the obligatory prayer, okay, when he was given the obligatory prayer, um, he was commanded to pray towards Baytul Maqdis, okay, which is basically uh, Masjid Al Aqsa in Jerusalem, okay. And Waqan Al Kaaba, Bainahu, Baina Baytul Maqdis. So when he was in Mecca, um, if you imagine that um, this is if this is modern-day Saudi, Mecca would be here, Medina's there, and Aqsa is about here. Okay, in terms of Palestine, about there. So when you're in Mecca, you're there. That's the direction that you would pray to thingy. Whereas if you're in Medina, it would be slightly like that. I mean, I'm being rough, but basically like that. So if you got you're in Medina here. Then you'll be praying like that to to Masjid Aqsa, and if you're in Mecca, which is in the south, then you would be praying like that, okay? And what the Prophet would do is that he would stand behind the Kaaba here, and so he would pray towards the Kaaba and pray towards Baytul Maqdis. Make sense? Yeah. So he puts the Kaaba in between himself and Baytul Maqdis. and he would stand between the Hajar Aswad and Rukn Yamani. So that's the you know the 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 action side, you know, of the Kaaba. So. Um, that's where he would stand, and the direction would be towards the uh, Beitul maqdis And this happened uh, uh, at the top of page 600 and, uh, 262. Um, uh, this happened for however long he was there. yani in that, And I say however long, because it's not very clear how long he did this in Mecca. In fact, to me, it's not even clear, according to my knowledge, uh, whether... Uh, how long he did this with his prayer because as we'll come to when we get to it um, the history of the prayer is also important and uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam only had uh, uh, two prayers that were obligatory yani uh, in principle the salah in Al-Ashi Wal-Ibkar in the evening and in the morning and the majority of scholars said that the morning refers to al doha so that's the late morning, 4 noon 9-10 o'clock time and Al Ashi is the evening, but the evening here is the Islamic evening, so sat Al Asr. So these were the two opposing prayers, and it makes sense because the Prophet ﷺ had to pray Tahajjud anyway, it was obligatory upon him, so he's pretty much covered the day. So he's got the night time boxed off, seven, eight hours later, he's got the middle kind of prayer, then which is late morning, and then seven, eight hours later. He's got the late kind of afternoon prayer boxed off, which is the evening before Maghrib. So those were the thing prayers. So what we, what we are going to have to assume is that the Prophet ﷺ was praying towards Baytul Maqdis from those, from those two prayers. You know what's interesting is that we've got very little authentic hadith that discuss the development of the prayer. And you will know that in Fiqh Salah when I, when, I, when, I, when I show that. Then of course the prayers were obligated, yani five prayers in the miraj And when that happened, that's very, very close to the Hijrah. So when they went to Medina, the game was يعني, five prayers. And they went to Medina and they were... Six, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam وَلَمَّا حَاجَ عَلَى الْمَدِينَةِ بَقْيَ بِعَمْرِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ Bait al Maqdis, الْمَقْدِسِ سِتَةَ عَشَرٍ شَهْرًا وَبَعْضُ سَابِعَ عَشَرٍ For 16 to 17 months after the Hijra. the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam continued to pray towards the Bayt Al-Maqdis. Now here, you know, the pain... Pain, is that the right word? Yeah, any pain, okay, was much stronger for the Prophet. I think I spoke about this last week, right? Sure, I did. His desire to want to pray towards the, the Kaaba as opposed to the, the Qibla of the Jews. I'm not sure. I think, I think he was in Sweden when you were talking about that. Wallah? Well, because he didn't talk about it last week. Are you sure? You did. I did. Yeah, you did. Thank you, Zafar. Thank you very much. No, <laughs> well, you definitely did. It. Get, Get out of it. 100% I did. Thank you very much. You know what I feel like saying? Benteke. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I feel like saying. I'm 100% I did. The 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 normal note is letting us down. You forgot an avenue. No, you did not discuss it in LB. Thank you, Mesa says forces. Sugar, (laughs) Mesa says, yeah, that's... (laughs) If Mesa Mesa says no, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Zafar? We ain't having celebrations, we're having like, you know, what? butlers or something like that. Or, who? Or, or, who? Or no, no, just say that what? name again, what? Shaz. Just say that name again. Oh, no. no, no, just repeat what you butlers. just said. Butlers. <laughs> You see that? That's the difference. No, wait, what? That's what? the difference. I thought he was going to say something like, uh, 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 what's that? What's that? Uh, a uh, uh, Rocher, or what's that? With the Brown, Thornton's. I thought he was going to say Thornton's, which is upper class for us. My man bust the name. Yeah? <laughs> Butlers, yeah? Which I think, yeah, and it must be only for. Upper class people's, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, at three quid a pop or something like that. Don't even ever. Uh, oh yes, oh, oh, yes. oh <laughs> yes. The two shazis combined to bring the butlers from Selfridges. As we. You know what it is? Before I go into Selfridges, they tell I have to have a shower. I've got to get changed. I've got to trim my beard. I don't get yeah, any invites like that into Selfridges. You know what I'm saying? I'm a basic one day, I'm a Cadbury's kind of guy. Primark, if Primark did chocolate, that's that's where I'd get it. If Primark did chocolate, that's where I'd get it. So anyway. So we talked about the Qibla direction in the Qibla. Yeah. It's in the world. Yeah. And we talked about the Prophet with, uh, with the Shatr al al-Haram. Yeah. When I mentioned to you about the ayah. Uh, did I not say that the Prophet sallallahu wasallam he really wanted hmm. to... Okay. Anyway, uh, so let me say that if you want to read some of the best Islamic content that you would read, okay, like... Like like beautiful, yeah. Yani, story, and narrative. Read the tafsir of the verses of Surah Al-Baqarah around the changing of the qibla, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala very beautifully, very gently speaks about the the internal struggle of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. for for use of other words, but yeah, yani, about the internal kind of desire of the Prophet Sallam to pray to the qibla of his father Ibrahim Alayhi Okay, and. This, the, the, the Kaaba and how, how difficult it was for the Muslims and especially the Prophet ﷺ in the presence of Mushrikeen and then big time then the Jews that we had to pray towards your Qibla. And there is a lot of going on. There's a nation thing going on. There's a rivalry going on. There's a finality going on to less like, you know, cement the finality. There's a revival of the... There's a lot in this narrative. It's a proper story. You know what I'm saying? And it's all played out in Surah Al-Baqarah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the uh, qibla, Wherever you are, you'll you will, you will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this kind of like uh, kind of scene if it was a show then it would be like a, uh, it will be a scene which which dominates the, the the narrative Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says I have given you the qibla tarzah yani, that, that you've always desired that you've always wanted it's now yours and now uh, face the 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 al hara. so um, I want you to know that whilst it was kind of okay in Mecca but when he gets to Medina and we've got authority we've got state we've got huge numbers of muslims and we've got yani, and we got jews who are yani doing their own version to us. so you know that pressure is increasing so alhamdulillah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 16 17 months in then changes the qibla to the kaaba and then it's b- back towards the uh, haram or the the, the 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 qibla is the kaaba itself okay um yeah nice nice the reference by the way is, if you want look at look at a few hadith, I mean, other than the, the tafsir of Surat al-Baqarah, but uh, uh, in Bukhari, hadith number 7252, 7252, and hadith Muslim. This is amazing. Look at this here. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, for the students out there. Imam Bukhari, this hadith, the famous hadith of the changing of the Qibla, and you all know about that hadith, the companion, he comes, he comes across a group of people on his walk home, he says, I've just prayed with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Salatul Asr, and you guys are praying towards Yani Bayt al-Maqdis, and I've just prayed, and it's changed, the Qibla has changed to the to, 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 to Kaaba, and so the whole jama'ah turns around, the imam goes around, everyone turns around, and bam. And it seems that that's happened more than once. And it, definitely the hadith is authentic where it happened at Masjid al-Quba, definitely, or hadith authentic, and maybe another time. It's perhaps that maybe another time, Masjid Bani Haritha, Masjid whatever, that's now called Masjid Qiblatain, the Masjid of the two Qiblas. That is yani, one of the other scenarios that happened, or it was another companion that did that. And you know, th- th- that there's some study involved in that. Obviously, Masjid Qiblatain, with it's two Qiblas, has got no reality to what actually happened. These two mihrabs that shows a the mihrab there and a the mihrab there is not real because there was no mihrabs at the time, and this is just a kind of a later pictorial representation or structural representation of the emotion of two qiblas, but there's no reality behind it but it indicates it and that's why mashiach the quba keeps it real you walk in you wouldn't know that this was the case the, the place of the original changing of the qiblas. you only got one nice qibla and that's it and that's how it should be to be honest but anyway they put that in in the other one and what's important here is look at the, the look at the scholars and look at especially bukhari You will now know why we love Bukhari so much. What a don, don, king, Sultanul Ulama he is. Look at how he includes his hadith in his book. He puts it in which chapter? What chapter do you think that he puts this hadith in? So you know Bukhari, he names all of his chapters, different names and sub-chapters and books even. Right, so he has the book of tafsir, the book of this, the book of that. Then the sub chapter of this. Then he creates a title. Permissibility, Permissibility of moving movements in prayer would be a common sense one, isn't it? Yeah, and that's someone. And it's not common sense. The common sense is what Imam, Bukh, uh, Imam Muslim did. Imam Muslim he has this hadith, hadith number uh, uh, five hundred and twenty-five in Kitab al Masajid, Bab Tahwil al Qibla. That's a standard, a standard. It's in the book of mosques, chapter. The changing of the Qibla. You know, standard behavior, that's what you'd expect. Lovely. As Shazad said, someone's thinking outside the box, like we mentioned that story of Sheikh Elan and whatever a couple of weeks ago. Someone's thinking outside the box, you're thinking about, I'm going to use this hadith for something else. So, the chapter of movement in the prayer would make sense. But it's not in that chapter, no. It's not in that book and it's not in that chapter, yep. Yeah. Accepted du'as. That's also nice. I like that. I like that thinking. And that's the kind of thinking you'd expect from Bukhari. The chapter of accepted du'as or something like that is not. It's in Kitabu Akbarul Ahad, Ma Babu Ma Ja'a fi Ijazat al Wahid. That's just another level of knowledge. He put it in the chapter of unit solitary narrations. The chapter of the uh, Akbarul Ahad. أَخْبَارُ Ahad. So, and then the subchapter he called it, uh, sub-chapter that which, um, that which indicates the use of the single narration. Now, what we're talking about here, this is such an important part of knowledge that it will blow your mind. It means nothing to the majority of people, it's purely an academic discussion. But it is the discussion about the importance in Islam of a single narration. And the, the and the not needed reality of mutawatir narrations. There's an idea out there that, you know, that the Quran is the only thing that we operate by because it's super authentic because it's come via yani mutawatir narration. So many people narrating it, so many people recited it. Not a single difference, and therefore it's certain knowledge. And likewise, we have that uh, concept in Hadith as well. When we say this Hadith is mutawatir, why are people saying that? Because obviously, more versions of the same Hadith bring confidence, right? So that's brilliant. Except Ya Ramkallah. Except when? When when is that not brilliant? When is it not brilliant to be praising mutawatir al-Hadith and getting excited? When is it not brilliant? No, no. When it leads you to lose confidence in a single authentic narration. You understand my point? Okay? Our deen is based upon authenticity, right? if a single narration makes it and passes the authentic stage, it becomes like Qur'an for us, even if it's a hadith. And we're going to look at a few of these examples uh, in, in actually these few pages. So it doesn't matter what happens. Like, um, I mean, I'm jumping the gun, but let me just jump it anyway. The, the obligation of the qibla is clear. From the Qur'an. We said from the Qur'an, from the sunnah, from the ijma'ah. And yet one small, tiny, miskeen little hadith is going to come along and it's going to specify the Qur'an and give an exception to the rule. Can you imagine that? The Qur'an says, wherever you are, you must face the Qibla. Then we have this little hadith that comes along where the Prophet when he was on his camel, he was not facing the Qibla. Now normal common sense would be, what's this one small hadith versus the totality and the finality of the Qur'an? But this is what we've just learned. If that hadith is authentic, as a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, then it cannot be ignored ever. And it must be incorporated into the evidence game. And it must be either explained away, or it must be reconciled. And the reconciliation is agreed upon by the scholars. And that is that this hadith has to be acted upon. It means that in voluntary, in in supererogatory prayers, nafal prayers, you do not need to face the qibla. And that goes to show you the power of a single narration. But there have been people throughout history, and... In recent times, this was only revived by the HT movement, Hezbollah Harir. in recent times. But it's not fair to, you know, to blame them. This has always been an argument that existed at the very early times. Why do you think Bukhari wrote a chapter on it? At the very early times, the fuqaha were people who used to say that the khabar ahad, the solitary narration, an incident that's been narrated only once, does not give definite knowledge. That's why those people, they used to doubt the concept of the punishment of the grave. Uh, the, the grave, al Qabr. They used to say that this is not something which is in our deen, and all, not something which is part of our aqeedah. Yani, not from those things which are known as aqeedah. If you deny it, it's not a problem. Why? Because it's only been narrated in a singular hadith, single time. The response of Ahlul Sunnah is that we don't care what is narrated in one single hadith, but as long as it's authentic... It's aqidah, as long as it's authentic, it's action, as long as it's aqidah, is faith. Bukhari takes this hadith, this single hadith, um, and he basically uses this hadith to prove that singular narrations must be acted upon. What's the proof? What happens in the hadith? That they're all praying, and they all change the qibla based upon the statement of one man who they didn't even see, but they knew that he was a companion. This hadith uh, establishes the trustworthiness of the companions, it establishes the eligibility of single narrations, it establishes the hujja or the legislation that you must act according to a, a single narration as well. So, when this action happens, they all turn around and fully uh, uh, change an uh, f- obligatory act of worship, one of his key conditions. So, just want to show you Bukhari, instead of putting it in the obvious places, he put it in that chapter to show its function anyway um let's get to many ayat what do you mean no ahad as a concept is in hadith the quran is by tawatur. Mm-hmm. the quran itself yani the the riwayat yani what we call al muttafaq uh, alayhi uh, yani a tawatur uh, 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 narrations Yeah no no this is not not correct. There's the there the, I mean obviously from a Quran point of view there's a huge discussion about Yani every ayah of the Quran, those ayat which come under al Shah and so on and those which are agreed upon. Um, but let's yani, not uh, open that um Okay, so let's just move on quickly then to the next statement. So the Sheikh says that, and the prayer is not valid uh, to uh, anything. What did I translate it as? Yes. And prayer is not valid without facing it, except for someone who, has a, uh, who is incapable of doing that. So let's quickly look. First of all, why is it not uh, valid? Because um, it's a condition. And if you are not fulfilling a condition, then the prayer becomes invalid. So let me make it very clear. Your prayer is invalidated if you do not face the qibla. li So if there is a person who is unable to face the qibla, then the obligatory nature is left for him. Okay, He doesn't need to uh, worry about that. So let's look at this person. Who is this person who can't do it? Maybe he's ill, he can't move. Maybe he's paralyzed. Maybe he's in a coma. Um, maybe he doesn't have someone. And even, subhanAllah, a person who is in a coma, he has to try. Meaning, tell someone. A person who is not in a coma, sorry. Why am I saying coma? <laughs> Bloody i have lost my mind there. Someone is paralyzed, I mean. <laughs> that's very harsh. That is harsh, yeah. That is harsh. That's, yeah, that, that's my dad, yeah. probably telling me, yeah. Still got to pray. I don't care what happens. Just emotionally yeah, anything coming through there. No, uh, paralyzed, I mean... Someone who can't move, so a stroke victim, or something like that. What's interesting is, Sheikh Itameen says, and there's no one to turn him to the qibla. Meaning, the fact that you physically can't turn is not sufficient. If you've got the ability to speak, you need to tell someone to turn you. Do you understand? That's very important. That's to show you just how important it is. Let's say you physically can't, because you're a burn victim, you're injured, then that's your scenario where you can't uh, turn. Or there's no one around. Okay, so you can turn, uh, but you physically can't do it yourself. And the Salah time is upon you, then you pray as, as it is where you are. But uh, every other scenario, you've got to move towards the uh, Qibla. You've got to change, turn towards the Qibla. Um, and what's the evidence that this person doesn't need to do it? Number of evidences we've covered before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah, uh, verse uh, 16, and, and uh, be as disciplined to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as you can. Uh, Again, yeah, show as much discipline to Allah. You know this word taqwa, you know, uh, it has a number of different meanings, and I don't want to go into that. Uh, a translation, sorry. Uh, but uh, I, in recent times, so I, like I went through a period, obviously when you start off practicing Islam, it's always fear. Right? So there's fear fear Allah, fear Allah. Yeah, taqilla, taqil So then you get off that very quickly once you realize what taqwa means linguistically. So, for the like the, maybe the 10, 15 years after that, it was God consciousness and being mindful. But for the last maybe five, I'm very comfortable with discipline. Okay, but the problem with discipline is that it doesn't work in certain uh, uh, verses. I'm very, very comfortable with the idea that taqwa means discipline. Yep, it's that awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then you showing discipline as a result. The problem is, is that Taqwa, being called discipline, has little to do with the linguistic meaning. The linguistic meaning is purely protection from, his, from, from someone. Yeah? And that protection is what? It's clearly the protection from the anger of Allah. So that's what Taqwa means. To protect yourself from the anger of Allah. Using the verb Waqa and the Waqaya. Waqaya is the shield. Okay. Yani waqa means to protect yourself. Waqaya is the shield that you put up. Yani to to to, to shield yourself. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us that there's no the believers have no yani one other than Him. He is their waq, their protector. So it's protecting yourself from the anger of Allah. There's no doubt about it. And when they, when people were describing, the companions would describe taqwa. And you know that famous anecdote, which is if you're walking, imagine you're walking through the field of thorns and you're pulling your thobe tight to yourself because you don't want it to catch on the thorn and get ripped and that's protecting your thobe, isn't it you're you're literally you know you're protecting your thobe. so protection is clear you can put discipline into that scenario because there is being disciplined in the way you walk and making sure you stick to the line and being disciplined but it doesn't work so great in other places it works best of all in the famous ayah la'allakum tattaqun that's the perfect translation for that kutiba alaykumus Siyamu." It's the perfect translation, discipline. Fasting has been prescribed upon you like it was prescribed for the people before you in order that you may achieve discipline. Discipline meaning that you've done it before, you do it odd bit here and there, and you don't think it's easy, then you smack out a month and you find out that it's very, very doable. Now you can start to make this habit a proper one. And be mindful of Allah and aware of Allah in a disciplined manner all the time. And that's called taqwa. So I just want you to know that taqwa itself um, uh, is really disciplined. But anyway, means be conscious of Allah and try to please Him and protect yourself from His anger by doing anything wrong as much as you can. And that as much as you can indicates that it's not, you don't have to kill yourself while you're doing it. Okay? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah does not burden a soul more than it can bear. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا عَمَلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَا نُكَلِّفُوا نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْأَهَا In Surah Al-A'raaf. Uh, those people who believe and do good actions, um, we do not burden them more than they can bear. And then the famous hadith of a Nabi Wasallam, which is uh, uh, narrated in Bukhari Muslim, إِذَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِأَمْرٍ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَا استطعتم. If I command you to do something, then do as much of it as you can. If I command you to do something, then do of it as much as you can. So it's clear that istita'a, ability, is a key factor in obligations. If you are able to do it, you do it. If you're not able to do it, then you don't. And from here we learn a famous qa'id al a maxim, according to the people of knowledge, which has been taken from the kitab and sunnah, la Ma'a there is no obligation in the presence of inability or whilst there is inability I'm sure you can tidy that up okay? there is no obligation with inability and there is no haram in cases of necessity what's the nice version of that? literally speaking there is no wajib with ajaz the deficiency okay and wala muharrama there's no haram ma'a daruratin with necessity so the meaning of the statement is that there can't be something that becomes obligatory if you are unable to do it and there can't be something that would be called haram if there's a necessity so the first one is you can't face the qibla you don't need to the, the, the qibla is not obligatory upon you if you physically can't face it the pork is not haram upon you if you are about to die of hunger. <laughs> Would describe quite yani, uh, excellently your, your contribution. <laughs> if that's what you meant. I think that probably was the most inept yani, contribution to a Maxim ever seen. I just want to note Shaz, that Dr. Shazad laughed the most at that, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Out of all of these people here. Many of you, many of them, covered for you. But Doctor said he laughed so much he could. He actually exp- he went, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and then Usman also. <laughs> we just, we just, oh, Astaghfirullah. I, I just want to say, only I'm allowed to laugh at Shaz, and anyone who laughs at Shaz, I just note their names down. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> 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 Alright. Okay. Alright. So Sheikh then gives some examples. He says, yeah, "This is one sentence. So, what, what is it?" Then? Um, no obligation. Come on, but that's what now. Jase. There is no obligation when someone is incapacitated. Okay. And no um, prohibition when, when there is when there is a, a necessity. I don't know. Not need. Yeah, make sure you don't write need. Eh? Because hajah is different from darura. So necessity, not need. Yeah, I think that works. Yeah, I think everyone gets the point. So an example of that, an example, Sheikh says, "ḥalū So for example, in the case of war, so if there is a major yāni, toing and throwing in the war, in the war, and it's impossible for you to face the qibla, even in Salatul okay, Khawf, which is a specific prayer that you pray during uh, uh, war, then that's that's uh, something. Another scenario uh, he gives the example is if someone is running from an enemy or from a natural disaster or flood, whatever, and needs to pray but can't. Then that's the only an example. So I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll close it there because the next section is quite big. So let's take some questions, and more importantly, let's eat some chocolate. Yeah. Let's not up. talk about support. No, 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 no. Let's stick. let stick to the subject. You know, if we open it like that, Bro, are you serious? Yeah. I'm sorry, but there's no way that I can divide that. You know why? Because it's only twenty thingy. I have to. Yeah, you I have to agree to share, or I have to pick my favorite people. So it is completely your choice. Did you put it there or did you slide it? Oh right. you slid that. That is. You should. You should play for. You should play balls for England. No, not bowls. Yeah, bowls and curling. I was in Sweden. You know the hotel that I'm staying at in Sweden. In its lobby, it's like a kind of small, kind of cozy, kind of place, right? And they've got this kind of like a um, long. You translate that you don't want to stay there this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you try to try to you know you know hope someone's listening. So anyway, this thing has got like a, It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. Kinda of, It's like a, a curling strip. So it's like about four meters long, and it's glass, but there's a sand on it. It's like our cutting board kind of stuff, right? But the thing is very weighted. You know, like the, the, the curls. You know, the uh, yeah. I'm speaking. I'm not speaking to the wrong class of people here. But basically, yeah, stones with a handle that looks like an iron but obviously these people have never seen a real iron in their lives okay but if you go and see a real school iron which has got the proper old school handles like that you know what it is yeah okay then, all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> so the curling thing anyway so you, you, you it's heavy like like feels like a kilo and it's only small so I don't know what they put inside and you push it and it glides beautiful and you push it a little bit and you've got to get it into the you know the, the mark yeah Oh, I did. And it's a buzz, bro. You know the push and you feel that smooth glide on the sand. It's crazy stuff, yeah. You know? Sweden, mashaAllah. I'm, I'm honorary Sweden now. I'm supporting Sweden. We beat Italy. We kicked them out. We. Right. Okay. There you go, boys. Bismillah. Okay. There we go. Okay, boys. Pass that out. There's no help and safety in here. There's no help and safety. <laughs> Right, okay, one second. Yes, let's do some questions. Let's see Annie speak as well. Send it around, boys and girls. Oh, yeah, Haram. Send it around. Yes, Zach. The wisdom behind the, the revelation though, to turn to the Kibla comes in Salah itself. Yeah. What's the wisdom behind that? Is that? to show people or make it easier for people to accept and spread the word? Or was there some other. Hmm? Well, the argument would be that it didn't come in Salah, right? It came for (laughs) Salah, but that was not for the Prophet ﷺ. The legend? No, 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 no. Not the Prophet (laughs) ﷺ. So let me make that clear. The Prophet ﷺ was inspired, was received Wahi, and they prayed from the beginning to the Qibla. But one of the people who prayed with him, they went and told people who were praying. You get what I'm saying? So the legislation didn't happen in the middle of prayer. What's going on here? Yeah, carry on. Yep. from But but have you have you completely completely lost your mind, bro? <laughs> I did not mention it at all. I said if you are in war. Where on earth did you get UK, al Hab and our circle being closed down for the rest of yani, its natural life? How does that even happen? Tell me that. So answering the question, please. Answering the question is, go back to Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, not at all. You are having a laugh with us. What do you think this is, Yani? Some hajj privilege? So into- Old hajj. Okay. Yeah. seen that video to a is video, but spider whatever So your question basically is is if you're praying And then you come across a snake or something, or what? A ram. A ram. (laughs) Bro, that was the most random animal that you could have chosen ever. I was whole. I was wholly following the whole scorpion, spider thing. Then suddenly a ram came out of nowhere. (laughs) Right. Right. In fairness, yeah, I mean, that would be a bit problem. a problem. Um, yeah, it's permissible if, a per- if something's going to cause you to completely lose your mind in the Salah, then it's permissible for you to stop the prayer. But it's not something that you try to kind of make a, a habit. Meaning, two, po- two points there, meaning that you have got to be able to develop the ability to ignore. But if it can't be ignored let's not use that as a go-to very easily. Because, and and this is very important you listen to this, that you will justify it this time with physical danger, and you will open the door to a very slippery slope of spiritual danger. So, you will say to yourself that I justified this because I couldn't concentrate, I was so stressed out thinking about what's going to happen. And then that is then in X years' time, 20 occasions down the line, going to be you stressed out about something, nothing to do with physical danger, but using the same kind of illa saying that I can't think straight, I'm so stressed. And that's what people do. That's why you'll see the scholars not allowing people ever to break their prayer. Because once you open that door, then people start to justify to themselves breaking the prayer. And then what happens after that? Then you start to see people justifying after they finish the prayer, that the prayer wasn't good enough. And that's an even worse door to open. The repetition of one's prayer. So that's why we're very, very careful to keep these doors closed. But in emergency, yes, you're allowed to, yeah. This is, this is that's it. You've, you've, that's this the, the exact thing. When people allow these kind of, these spiritual whisperings to get to them, that is the only conclusion people will give up their prayer it could be OCD, but what I'm saying and it probably is but the, the point is is that how, what it leads to yeah I need the logical steps that you think my prayer, it's not even worth doing my prayer I'm going, I'm going to mess up anyway so you just start justifying things which if you close the door from the beginning with something which sounds quite harsh at the beginning which is don't worry about what's there just carry on praying or don't worry about all the doubts and the fact that you don't have wudu or whatever just carry on praying which sounds outrageous but it's being said for a very r- big reason. Yeah. So, with regards to the Salah before breaking Salah, going to that, you're going to open that door before that, should be the controlled movement can be done. Yeah, yeah, uh, correct. Yani, yeah, uh, in a scenario, t- in order to avoid going crazy, Yani, yeah, to the worst opinion, yeah. you would uh, introduce. Yeah, you know, the minimum thing that will fix the problem. It's an be greedy, parties. What about these, yeah, these girls here? unbelievable budgets get skanked hardcore man how's it under the thingy yes uh, Uh, oh yeah folks whether you are here or whether you are online we need some people to step up and volunteer for our referencing uh, 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 team because you know that it's a huge mission to put these I mean, I can't ever imagine trying someone trying to write down what I say and then let alone find references for what I say. I mean, that's got to be the worst punishment in history. But we have a team that does that, and they need help. So if you can help with the transcribing of notes, little section, uh, regular. And I mean, we need regular. We don't need more time wasters. We want people who are committed, just like yeah, the people who put this class on are super committed. They do it, yeah, rain or shine, okay? Um, We need also some people for the referencing, which is basically going away and looking at a few things to find some references. So, if you can help, then I want you to email lpnotetakers at gmail.com. LPNotetakers. Okay? If you can help in transcribing, or you can help in referencing, and you are, Yani, that runs that whole program, and she is... Yani uh, under a lot of yani stress to be able to get that done in time because we offer a great service, mashallah, Um, alhamdulillah. But anyway, uh, she has put that uh, email address down on the portal. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the problem of the word discipline. I agree with you entirely. Discipline is not linguistically kind of accurate and you could put in another whole number of words and I'm definitely working backwards and working backwards helps immensely in understanding a word but it doesn't help in translating a word so I think what I want to say is that people should understand taqwa a lot of the time as the concept of discipline but please note that its definition or its translation is more linked to the issue of fear and protecting yourself from anger and so on You mean the choice of word, I'm, I'm thinking that or the concept? Be no, think. no, the choice of word or, or the concept. The concept I guess. No, that's not possible. We can't, we can't, we can't change the concept. We can change people's subjective words and language and maturity in terms of understanding, but the concept is the concept. I mean, if I've understood it wrong, I've under, I've understood it wrong. If yeah but I'm, I mean I'm not happy with that because that will make such a level of subjectivity into the area that, that can become dangerous we want to always when it comes to sharia we always want to remove subjectivity you know what I'm saying we always want to remove subjectivity yeah any other questions that's going to come that's going to come because there are quite, quite a bit okay so some questions here our boy Samid is back mashaAllah if someone is not, did Switzerland make it? Or, oh yeah, Northern Ireland. They skank them. Yeah, f- f- fake penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, Samid. Yeah. If so, if a, someone is not facing qibla in their individual prayer, is it obligatory? That we're going to come to that afterwards, uh, Samid. We're going to come to that afterwards. If someone prayed, then later, that's going to come afterwards as well. Is qibla required? That's coming afterwards as well. Um, is there a degree of error allowed? Yes, that is allowed. Uh, but that's coming out afterwards as well. Um, yes, Aisha asked the question. That's coming afterwards as well. Mesa, yeah, you're taking, yeah, you taking me to task over saying coma a hundred times. Um, and yeah, yeah, down, 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 down. Okay, go up and I'll answer the other question. Yep, down, down, have you been down? There. Um, so yeah. Now that the questions of thingy have uh, finished, if there's something outside the topic, then I'll just take two questions, one from here and then one here. So the one on uh, this one, and you've got to remind me to do this, folks, because I always forget to do this. question's not on the topic. We always said that we would give some time for that. So no more than five, ten minutes about that. So this question is, um, I asked you about Arrayaan mortgage scheme. I was guided by yourself to ask the question here. I wanted to find out your opinion about uh, Rayan um i want you to know that Arrayan is a bank that i'm not involved with i say that because i used to be involved with uh um hsbc and the amana scheme i was given the documents before they were released and i was asked to vet them and uh, so on and that was in the back in the day when they were um only offering a Murabaha and a scheme basically a sale purchase profit scheme and a lease scheme and these were t- the times where um, they were seen as introductory products in the Islamic finance uh, scene building up to Musharaka, which is a partnership-based uh, scheme. Um, Musharaka is pure Islamic finance, and uh, now uh, that is pretty much the only model that people now offer because they've been able to now work out, um, out ways to make money off it, meaning they're the ones who uh, are holding the power. And Arrayan Bank, even though I do not know of their contract... What I know is that they are using a musharaka al muta- al-mutanaqisa which is called the diminishing musharaka, which is a simple model of uh, you find a property, it's costing three hundred thousand pounds. You've only got fifty, uh, or let's say you've got twenty, and they want a deposit. You can sometimes negotiate the percentage of deposit. Let's say they want what is it at the moment? Ten percent. So it's ten percent at the moment, which is thirty grand. Uh, you know. Maybe you, can, maybe you can negotiate that. I remember uh, a while back that people were getting nego- successful at negotiating 8%, 9%, whatever. And that's basically an indication from the bank that you are serious about this. So I support that idea. And then uh, you gather all of your money together, your 30%, and they go in £270,000. So they are 90% owners, you are 10% owners. The next stage that happens then is that you want to live in the house and use your 10% and their 90% of the property. That means they have the right to charge you rent for the facility that you're using of their 90%. They will then set a rent. They will invariably use the current interest rates to give them an idea of how much money they should be making off the rent. That's something which is permissible it's just like them saying themselves that we're gonna charge you this much or them being told by someone else that you should charge this much the point is is that they set a rental rate according to what they think they can get they will probably agree with you when they can review that so they might review that every year every couple of years or twice a year and they will charge you for that amount that you do not own at the same time they will be giving you the option very generously I may add for you to purchase buy them out at the original investment that you paid and I say that's 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 generous and I have to say I'm not even sure whether Arrayaan even do that okay did he do that yeah okay because you know if that was me I'm just putting it out there if it was me and my share now is worth 500,000 pounds I'm not charging you what it was back then you understand what I'm trying to say yeah I mean you know so I just want to put that out there against the haters yeah, who make a point here So they will say, okay, you can keep buying out 5 percent, 10 percent, whatever it is, and you continue to pay and make payments. And obviously that means that you have a higher percentage, which means they have a lesser percentage, which means that your rent should then decrease because you are using less of their property. And that will continue and continue until it diminishes entirely their share and you then own the house. It's not perfect. There are a number of issues. A number of fatwas have been passed to allow this to work. It's a bit of a mutated Frankenstein, but it's the best of a poor offering. And uh, I accept, therefore, the diminishing Musharaka model wherever it is found in the Muslim world. Secondly, I have friends and colleagues that are involved in different banks and different supervisory panels. And I have two colleagues that are part of the Arrayaan, one And I did not ask them and don't intend to ask them, but they have considered to be halal. And that's the only thing that matters, according to practicing Muslims, that they make an effort to find out that it's a halal offering and that there's a trustworthy scholar at the front of it. And unless you are a student, then you should also then look into it further and make yourself even more certain about it. But here, I'm comfortable with the people who are thinking. Mufti Barakatullah, Abdul Qadir Barakatullah is a friend of mine, and I trust his judgment. Um, and he's considered it to be halal and he does the checking so yes I believe that al is a permissible uh, contract to use to purchase your house I do want to say that and the discussion comes up so much so that's why I gave it a little bit more comprehensive answer I do want to say that we do need to just pause and remember that it doesn't matter about whether it's halal or haram or not it's whether you want to now go into 30 years of owing many hundred thousands of pounds and I remind you all that debt is not a positive thing and Islam Muslims are not encouraged to be owing people things. Uh, I just want that to be known. That you know, some people just only ask the question, "Is it halal or not?" And they don't actually ask the common sense one: Do I want to be owing money? So yeah, you don't want to be owing money, but if you need to, fine. And it is permissible for you to purchase your house uh, on that. Okay. And Allah knows best. Any questions in this audience? All right. It's a what? it you... nah, sakira. One minute, one hour thirty, man. What happens if you must um, Wrong. I normally do massage over my socks. So <laughs> Sick guy. <laughs> I a bitch. So I normally do massage over my socks, for the last couple of weeks I keep forgetting if I done it, and I'm already in my salah, so then I to do my salah to redo my ritual. Uh, but it's getting to the point that it's happening more and more often, so because it's our work. It's so, uh, I mean, yeah, so what's the, what's the question then? what's I question to do my salah and then do my redo. I think what you need to do is go back to... Is it year three? Year three or year two? Where we went through the order of what happens when you forget maybe you made World war and what you go back to, all right? And read it in detail. That's the long answer. You need to read it and understand the wisdom of how the scholars put down parameters for people who forget about the World war And the answer to your question it will be found in which category you put yourself in. Because there's like different categories of... What was you doing before you thought you made wudu? And then based upon what you remember you were definitely doing, and then what with the doubt is, then what was forgotten, then what certainty was you will get a different course of action, remedial action each time. That's the detailed answer. No, but obviously when I say wudu, then obviously I'm talking about masab of the socks. It's not wudu if it's not done massab of the socks, isn't it? Yeah, any, uh, the, the feet are, in, are included so it's not there's no such thing as Yani yeah, it's, it's a it's a contradictory statement you can't be I've certain done wudu and but I'm not sure if I've done mas'ah of the socks if you've not done mas'ah with the socks you just soak the socks <laughs> and the water when you're doing mas'ah that way just feed the socks <laughs> <role Clinton> yani. what his point is, and it goes back to something we mentioned in the, in the earlier, is that sometimes water is your best friend. We said that for people who have problem in istinja, when they're worried about whether they have cleaned themselves enough or whether there's dripping, post-dripping, going to the toilet, we said that in our best <laughs> put water into his underwear, which would therefore make him absolutely certain, I'm the one who's put that water there, no one else. So likewise, what Shaz is saying is that if you go more heavy on the water or on the wetness of the hands, then if you're not sure when you're finishing and drying up, then at least you'll see streaks on your socks of, uh, of wipe- wiping. It's a practical thing. Alright. Okay, folks. No announcements? You're looking at me in that announcement kind of... Yeah, yeah. Umrah and Hajj. Umrah and Hajj uh All I can tell you about Hajj is that Hajj is nearly at half capacity, so be very careful if you intend to go to Hajj. I just, yani, you know, just be, just be careful. It's uh, people are, 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 and I don't just mean registering, meaning they've paid up completely. I saw a list, yani, you know, of different peoples, and uh, from the travel agent. So be very careful if you intend to go Hajj this year, you need to register very, very quick. And by the way, it's going public uh, next week, I think. Uh, That's what the travel agent said. It's going public, meaning that the link will be made uh, made public for the people who are not an LP. So then it will be then, you know, then it might be. Uh, Umrah. Uh, the, uh, the the Christmas one, if you've got, yeah, any, you know, 36 million pounds, then jo- jo- join us, Yanni, yeah, because we're going to, we're going to, yeah, if you want a proper Christmas party, then we'll, <laughs> we'll see you on 21st, because I'm going to party hardcore okay. Rome, this exchange rate, okay, and then if you want something a bit cheaper, but nicer, no, not nicer, but cheaper, okay, yeah, nicer as well, uh, then uh, that's uh, Easter, and uh, that one you've probably got more time on, you, I, I, I wouldn't say you've got a massive rush, but you've got a couple of months on that. But I would, I would, I'd commit soon. But the hajj, if you're intending to go, do not even waste another day. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Whereas the umrah, you can take a couple of weeks. I don't think it's a major. All right, folks. <laughs> One second, I forgot. Are they still watching? <laughs> I didn't do this. I didn't do this to. to, to I didn't do this to, to hurt you guys. I'm just saying. Okay, alright. Get back, I'm going to choose people. Yeah, omar is doing very well recently. Arfan, because he came. We're very happy for him. Waqas, because he's a guest. Oh, yes. Nadim, because he got out of Ipswich. This guy, because I don't know who he is. Okay. Usman, because the guy was very... Oh, what a catch. Islam, because he's got an awesome name. Okay. Zia because
1: uh, oh, is
0: Bengali, can't catch Jeeva because of whatever reason and you because of whatever reason and you because you've got a nice smile and Abdul Nasir because you asked lots of good questions and uh it's like young, y- young because he smelled nice today. This is the new And yeah because he's just itching. And Zakaria because he's a fish. And uh who else? Him, right Yeah, this guy might be done. Right hand a lehdi. Ajman, Ajman, because he gave you an awesome hug. Who <laughs> did No, he hasn't. Because me, because I deserve one. Now that we're not on anymore. You, because you got a nice smile. No, he's a new student. It's okay. I don't care about students. student, student. Uh, I I I like this. smile. best, <laughs> Me, because I need, need one to buy out the <laughs> To Buy out the missus. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I like
1: these.
0: I know you like them. <laughs> I met your friend in the first. You're not my friend anymore. I met your friend. Bro, it, come on, and which Jan-Mahmad. jan You know, I showed my, uh, my mom, which yeah. I'm so happy. All you right. got me credits, man. You got me credits, come bro, wallah. all of them, well, I'm, not, all of them <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie. You made my mom very happy, bro. Because- I, did, I didn't know what to call your father. I don't know that close bro, no, 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 they're not that, oh, sugar, we recorded it, I think everyone, sang. I didn't, did you know, I smashed yeah. that target by the way, yeah. did you, yeah, yeah. guess it's the Maghrib, yeah. your son's, um,